Hello, just a quick bit before this week's episode to let you know that we have a Patreon you can subscribe to if you like what we're doing here and you want more of it. You probably already knew that. We don't stop going on about it. What you didn't know is that you can currently get a little free trial so you know exactly what you'd get as part of your subscription. You can head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in the show notes to get your first seven days free. All you need to do is pick which tier you'd like a free trial of. The Biggest Mates tier is the one that has all the extras in it. And then for seven days, you are free to listen to any episode we've released in the last six months. You can cancel any time or just leave the subscription rolling if you like what you find. It's charged monthly. And during any month, as part of that Biggest Mates tier, you'll get ad-free episodes of this show every Monday. You'll get a brand new episode of our new Manic Street Preacher show every month. Two episodes every month of The Ultimate Playlist, our themed playlist show, where we talk about all kinds of different music, different artists, different genres, different eras, and one or two bonus episodes every month, depending on the length of the month. That's two episodes every week. There's also other tiers to trial. One that is just the Manic Show and ad-free What Is Music episodes, and another that is just ad-free What Is Music episodes. But hey, if the first seven days are free, why not try a bit of everything? Plus, all tiers include access to the exclusive subscriber-only Discord where we discuss the shows, the bands we've covered, various music topics, and loads of other stuff, including some games that the friendly community have devised themselves. So head on over to our Patreon page now to claim your free seven-day trial. Go to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in our show notes. See you there. I genuinely reckon that my wearing headphones, you know, over overhead headphones... Uh, like, yeah, like, I'm, I know wearing, like I'm wearing right now uh, for mm-hmm. six hours a week is directly contributing towards my hair loss oh uh, you didn't say what I thought you were going to say here's what I thought you were going to say because it's happened to me that it's changed the shape of your skull no no because <laughs> I'm imagining the amount of hours you I have a little dent because I'm wearing these like all the time oh, yeah, you probably wear them as your daily driver headphones when you're editing everything I use I only wear over ear headphones when I do this podcast otherwise I've got we don't do this nearly enough no. for that to be the case. Like streamers and stuff. Have you seen the one where he takes them off and his head looks? He's like he's he's shaved his head. He shaves his head uh, on camera. Streamer always on like nine hours a day, and his he's he's got a fucking weird shaped head because of the headphones. I think I have that. I can feel the dent um, because I, nine hours God. a day is probably accurate for how often I'm wearing headphones. That's mad. I'm wearing them at work. I'm wearing them on the bus to work. I'm wearing them when I get home from work. I'm wearing them now. I'm wearing them in bed. You wear them in bed? Yeah. Why? So I could hear my music. Well, you listen to music in bed, what, to, to fall asleep to? No. You just lay in bed. I don't get music. into bed and just immediately go to sleep. Uh, okay, fair enough. Uh, no, I just I've obviously I got, say music is TikTok. I've got some. I've just got a bit of. I've just got a bit of male pattern baldness going on, and I reckon this is. Uh, in, I reckon this is exacerbating things. It's rubbing. Anyway, hello, welcome to What Is Music, a music podcast about music. We are a podcast that focuses on discographies in their entirety, doing deep dives on one artist at a time. You join us for season six, which is called Are We Enjoying This? A critical analysis of the history, cultural impact of music of REM. We're going through their entire career, album by album, track by track, and we're asking questions like, does context matter when you're listening to music? Does knowing the history of an artist affect your appreciation of their output? And this season we are, of course, asking, are we enjoying this? 
to be clear, we're asking, are we enjoying this in regards to the band REM, not are we enjoying this in regards to this, the sixth season of our podcast, which is called Are We Enjoying This, and which you may or may not currently be enjoying. I'm Adam Scott Glasspool. I'm a big music nerd. I'm a big fan of REM. And with me, as always, are two of my closest friends. The first is someone who is not a huge music nerd, is maybe the least knowledgeable on music in general out of the three of us, and is just learning through this podcast how to apply critical thought onto why he likes or dislikes something, and whether that means it's good or not. It is, of course, Lucas Way. Pleasure to be here. And of course, we also have someone uh, who is, yeah, between those, it's Steve Murphy. <laughs> and Steve, hi. Yeah. <laughs> it's, we've got someone who's Steve Murphy. Yeah. It's Steve yeah, Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back, though. Uh, how are you? Yeah, all good, man. Get a bit sleepy. Yeah, getting getting a bit sleepy. Is that because we are? I'm on... just kidding. We've got a whole episode we ahead of us, baby. A whole episode, man. Because on this podcast, we're exploring the entire discography of REM, and we are still part way through our exploration and discussion of their debut album, Murmur. I've, I think we've at least done Radio Free Europe this time. Of I reckon we're, I reckon, reckon we're at West of the Fields. You think we left the last track for the last? Well, I mean, we might have done. I mean, I don't know. We don't know how these split up. Is the thing uh, to, to you know, peel back the wizard's glasses or whatever it is that we used to say. Um, we we record the intros and the outro separately, so we don't know. That's not true. The first part, <laughs> the intro of the first part, and the outro of the third part, then then The magic, Luca. This is like seeing underneath Disney World. Because I don't think we, we never know how long we're going to be discussing an album. And sometimes the answer is two hours. And sometimes the answer is five hours. Uh, and so we so we, don't, we have to split them up and then do interest out just afterwards. Anyway, we got some. I can't believe you just told everyone that fact. I know, it's mad, isn't it? Uh, I got bored of lying to everybody. So we're somewhere in the midst of Murmur, uh, probably. So here we go. chorus when you finally get the chorus so good and with, with the with the harmonies as well so good and and later in the song a fucking key change oh the key uh-huh. change is excellent he gets off of his stool doesn't he i put an exclamation mark next to the words key change in my notes. <laughs> i put mine in all caps so oh, that's which, even which better is, which, 
Which is bigger, all caps or one I didn't notice it, and I'm pretending to realise, uh, pretending to know that I did now. Lucas, what if we came together and did caps and an exclamation mark? That's That'd too silly. Too much. Too, too, too much. silly. Too, too much. much power. As soon as I, I said mean, it, I knew it was silly. I mean, Adam, obviously me and you talked about this uh, off mic in a, in a side chat, but wholesale. Wholesale. Wholesale sale rip And Steve, I clearly hasn't heard it, which is... Yeah? Honestly, unfathomable to I'd, me. I don't because... think it's completely unfathomable. It, I didn't hear it until you said there's something obvious, and I went to listen to it with my Lucas ears and went, "That's what it is." But but you said that you wanted to talk about it, previously. and I had completely forgotten about that. Yeah, I, and and oh. I went, "Oh, I remember what that is now," because I wanted to. Yeah. It is literally the first time I heard the song. Instant, Steve. Instant. You response. might. <laughs> this might surprise you, but also mm-hmm. you might. Kick yourself. Um, Doctors hate me. Let's ask for something completely different. Um, let's see. Let's see what we've <laughs> it's got. Because of all my letters. Here we go. Here we go. Let's listen to this. Just play my clip. the same intro yeah it's the exact same yeah, song yeah, a full, yeah I, I said in the original manic yeah. season yeah. sounds a bit like rem turns out it sounds exactly like one specific rem song yeah, right at the yeah. beginning. like literally it yeah. starts it the bass line starts coming in at the same time yeah, yeah. and it starts speeding up with dun, 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 <laughs> and then it comes in with a jangly rem riff yeah. it's yeah, yeah literally the same and the first time i heard it i was like what's going on why am i hearing the year of purification What's happened? While, What's happening? while we're in this section of the song, if you could, could you bring up your Spotify, Adam, and yeah. put on "Because of the Shame" by um, Against Me? What? Okay. Imagine it literally is. <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a bit different, but you'll see. Okay, see what I'm going for. I'm raising an eyebrow, and not because of the album cover. Also, very much the same. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. The piano, the, the melody. I'm telling you, that is remarkable. REM, one of the most influential bands of all time. No one talks about them, especially in the worlds of Manic Street Preachers and Against <laughs> Me. Um, <laughs> I can't believe REM ripped off Against Me on their first yeah. album in 1983. Unbelievable, isn't it? Anyway, yes, as I said, I'm chucking on Shaking Through all day. It's the most full-on country tinged thing on the record it has such an excellent happy sad vibe to it and the way that mike mills piano that kind of honky tonk country yeah, piano so just drives yeah. the song is wonderful and the chorus feels like huge and cathartic and i never paid this song much attention before never paid it much mind but now it feels like a precursor to one of my favourite REM songs, which is called Don't Go Back to Rockville, which won't mean anything to you yet, but means everything to some of our listeners. I hadn't realised that they had delved into the Don't Go Back to Rockville kind of vibe 
earlier in their career, which is uh, really interesting. Um, I think because it's recalling an older musical style, it is once again dipping into that that pool of of nostalgia. Um, I got a few of the lyrics. Could it be that one small voice doesn't count in the world? Uh, I look. You're like a geisha gown is the closest I got on that one. I have absolutely Yell- no idea. Yellow like a geisha gown? Oh, mm. hey, i tell you what. As, yeah. as pulls go, that's not bad. Denial all the way. Uh, from that, I get like the world getting on top of you. Shaking through is quite an evocative image for that. You know, if you're like shaking through things, you know, maybe it's, I don't know, Stipe was very shy. Maybe it's about overcoming shyness. It feels very childlike. Not, Where's the world getting on top of you? Well, it's not a lyric. It's just oh, the feeling sorry. that I get from the song. Um, I don't mean that the quality of the writing is childlike, by the way. The, the imagery reminds me of childhood. And No, that was obviously Catapult. Well, this is the thing. A lot of this album has got like childhood imagery. Catapult is definitely like the centre of that. But it's there's loads of it all, all over the album, um, which I think is really interesting. And it's something that hit me on, on this like deeper dive into the album you know there's a bit uh where he says in my life it's well when genius lyrics says it's a bridge i don't know whatever what anything is anymore uh he goes in my life and then he just kind of groans mm. he goes like, <laughs> just like is that what it sounds like is that yeah it sounds like? <laughs> yeah he just does some like weird kind of noise there's loads of stuff like that there's loads of little michael stipisms across their whole discography where he'll just make a little noise and they'll keep it in it's nice it's cute oh is this a highlight yeah i'm uh, i'm do you guys love this as much as i do or yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. honestly i'm just sort of it's, re- it's it's actually distracting to me that it's year of purification right you can't get past it i can't get and past again, it i don't not like it's it. just which I don't you not hear like first it. though right because if i don't heard, not like yeah. it <laughs> If you'd heard this first, you'd have spent the entire time we were talking about European purification going like, but it's just shaking through. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't not like it, but I definitely, it's all I'm thinking about. Okay, cool. It's like, Manic's probably like R.E.M. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though they you know, so they've, they've said that it. horrible thing about... Um, horrible thing. Yeah. Oh, but there's yeah. no way they haven't heard Murmur. Again, remember what I said in the first episode, one of the highest regarded debut albums of all time. There's no way that the Manic Street Preachers have not heard Murmur, you know? Yeah, I mean, we also talked extensively how they they were clearly going for R.E.M. Yeah. For that song anyway, yeah. But also, I'd, I reckon there's a hundred songs that have that intro. Yes. We've just hit on two of them and, you know, know them quite well and, and like both of them. I did try and put one on top of the other. Doesn't quite my, work. My, yeah. No, because the tempos are slightly off. Slightly I, did, I did try. Okay, cool. Cool. Uh, yeah, Steve, it's absolutely a highlight. Uh, late in the game for me as well, after 20 years of listening to the album or whatever it is, like, I'm just like suddenly like, oh, I've got a new highlight from the album. Uh, oh, yeah. what am I going to do? Yeah, yeah. What am I going to do? Why don't, you, why don't you mull it over? Uh, as Shaking Through is ending, uh, this happens. Let me, let me just, I'll, I'll play a little bit.
We're all having a little boogie there. I'd now like your deep and extensive thoughts on that passage of music, please. <laughs> it's a little, <laughs> little funk, though. little yeah. funky funk. It's got uh, <laughs> by Mike Mills. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's got that kind of like clean, like kind of almost like funk guitar as well. Um, it reminded me of like just the bit that Radiohead stick at the end of Optimistic. You know where it just suddenly goes di- disco at the end of Optimistic. You yeah. might not, but there's just there's sho- just shove a bit in. We've yeah. we've got something from something, and it goes here. Then well, that's the thing. It's like it's not just like oh, it goes here. Like it's just we've got this, and we'll place it here. What the producers would do, Don Dixon and Mitch Easter, they just leave the tape running. Uh, whenever uh, REM had finished a take, because what they would usually do is just go, okay, that was a good take, and then they'd just start jamming and they'd just start yeah. playing some stuff or whatever, and that's one of those jams. They just left the tape running, and that's what REM do when they're in their like natural habitat. They just have a little, a little funky jam, and you'll see a, you'll maybe see a couple of those on the on the second album as well. Um, yeah, I think it's just a little... They might surprise you. <laughs> Doctors hate What them. a tease. What a tease. <laughs> anyway. I, just... I hate how much that, like, number th- thing might surprise you. I never saw yeah. that ever because I don't read, like, BuzzFeed lists. Buzz, BuzzFeed, yeah. But yeah. I am on TikTok and so I'm constantly seeing videos that are like, and the last one, <laughs> yeah, so you get to the end of the video and the algorithm gives you more of it. It's the same same with uh, Watch to the End. Yeah, I watched one today that was five, five somethings that something, something, something. And before we did the fifth one, he, did, he did all the like mm. rate, review, subscribe. Almost as mysterious as REM. Like, review, subscribe, all that bollocks. He said all that before he said the final thing in the list oh, so that you were forced dear. to hear it. The other really annoying ahead. one is where it pretends like videos that will say... If you share this video to the calculator app, it will tell oh, you. And you're yeah. like, no, you just want me to hit the share button, you fucking dick. I fall for it every time. Oh, you're as an well. idiot. I fall for it every time. I'm constantly sharing things to my calculator app. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that always comes to my mind is uh, Facebook adverts because they were always like, uh, Doctors hate him for yep. this one yeah, yeah. weight loss tip. That's the thing that yeah. it's bringing to mind for me. Anyway, it's uh, she she uh, fell in love with her horse, uh, wh- and then doctors arrested her. <laughs> it's something mad. <laughs> Not seen that. There one. was something I think like we have different cookies. Or something, I think there was Steve. like girl girl like loves her horse. Um, that doctors. X- x-rayed the horse and they immediately called the police <laughs> it was something like that well, now that I was a real one fair, Steve. I'm yeah. Really intrigued I know. That. yeah that sounds yeah. interesting I-, I think it might all uh, be fake i'm gonna look that up while we listen to we walk can, can i tell you the, the full title of it yeah horse do. keeps hugging pregnant woman when doctor looks at ultrasound he calls the police <laughs> She's pregnant with a centaur, obviously. Yeah. Oh my god. That's the implication.
jaunty little number, isn't it? It really is. With a, with that like undercurrent of drama that his voice gives it in yes. the chorus. But yeah, it's so it's so uh jaunty. Jaunty. Yeah, yep. it's jaunty. Do you know what this song sounds like? It sounds like the bit like almost like the sketch when the guy has gotten with the girl finally the night before and he's walking home the next morning <laughs> yeah. strutting down the street pointing at and people he, and he points at an, and he helps an old lady he yeah. headbutts a football that a kid kicks towards him yeah, and he high fives a guy and he's like just having a little happy morning that's specifically a scene from spaced um <laughs> yeah that is a scene from space that is right that's right uh that yeah that thing he does yeah. a cartwheel as well i think actually doesn't yeah he, he? does a cartwheel yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It is that though. It's it, like to the point where I, I kind of, I kind of take it, find it a bit cheesy. It's a lot, isn't it? It's a bit. It's a bit cringe. I think. Do you know? Do you know what it's? Uh, do you know what it sounds like to me? Uh, it doesn't sound like that to me. It, again, it it the feeling it gives me it kind of evokes childhood. I think maybe because it's so simplistic, um, but it feels a bit nursery rhymey. Um, mm. Yeah, that's good. It feels like being put to bed as a child. <laughs> yeah, speak on that. Um, what? No, you can't. No, you can't say that. This. <laughs> it, it to, to me personally, it feels like uh, being put to the bed as a yeah, child. Speak on that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> do you do you understand um, where I'm coming from at all? Or I don't know. I think I'm more Luke's. Heading the football, high-fiving someone. I think that the um, nursery rhyme-esque of the up the stairs and do the landing, all no, of that kind of yeah, makes me yeah. feel like I'm being carried to bed as a child. No, yeah, I um, get it. And it's, I get it. it's also, it's, it's, it's again nostalgic. It's got a nostalgic feeling to it. It's dipping into a style of music that was anachronistic in the 80s. It, it, it sounds like one of those very sugary pop singles from the 1950s, like Buddy Holly, you know, that kind of thing. Um I will say, Lucas, maybe this is what put you off it. If you were ever looking for a prime example of the term, this is twee. Right, I don't know what twee means anymore. Th- this. Well, this it, is twee. This, it sounds like the uh, Dear Catastrophe Vape. What's the... What's the... Yeah, Bell and Sebastian. Yeah. Bell and Sebastian can be played. Yeah, yeah. It does, yeah. Evoking yeah, yeah. late 50s, early 60s kind of uh, pop music. And I mean, the, the actual definition of twee is excessively or effect- affectedly quaint, pretty or sentimental. That's what that's what twee officially means. But this yeah, I can is see why Steve likes it, right? Because that is right. yeah. sentiment. I also like it. Uh, it's Dem- never said I liked it. Steve, it's in Walt's time. What do you think about that, mate? It's in <laughs> yeah. three four, mate. Yeah. Wait, don't yeah, I normally yeah. like Walt's it's time? Isn't that a thing? It's swung, isn't it? It's swung. Yeah. Oh, you don't like things that are swung, though. Remember, you don't like bats or big dicks. Yeah. You don't like any either of <laughs> is those it things. In, it's not in three. Is it not? It's in nine nine. Dun, du, 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 du. One, one, two, three, four, one, three, two, three, four, four, one, one, two, three, yeah. four. Is it nine three? Uh, it's just it swung. Du, 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 du. But it you could still No, you couldn't waltz this, but you could you could dance to it. You could dance uh, to it. And wearing it, and dungarees. It would, it would be a very formal dance, I think. Would oh not? Yeah, not, not, <laughs> would would they not yeah. play this at the under the sea dance in Back to the Future? Oh, potentially. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like fifties like pop music. Yeah, dun, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Dun, dun, There's that very sharply plucked guitar. I think he he said he nicked a couple of uh, chords from "Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head," which tracks. It's got right. that kind of like sugary kind of feel to it. Absolutely standard rhythm section. There really is no other word for it than twee. But then there's those huge reverberating sounds 
like that just happen every now Let's and go. again. Yeah, and it's it's recordings <laughs> of uh, Bill Berry playing pool that were echoing from downstairs in the studio. And guys, look, the song's about travelling upstairs and you can hear mysterious distant noises still coming from downstairs. Sounds like being put to bed as a child. That's all I'm saying. Yeah? Yeah. That's my big take. And I would appreciate a round of applause, if I'm honest. I'll give you. I'll give you. Okay, I'll I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah, that's well. Mine fine. was louder though. Steve has lots of little claps. So I just gave you one firm clap. Uh, obviously, you, Lucas, you said, "Well, Steve, Steve likes it, obviously, because of the sentiment." And then Steve said, "Never said I liked it." I I actually didn't mean he liked this song. I meant Steve likes twee things. Ah, I see. Do because you? it's because of overly sentimental, and Steve obviously is very sentimental a person. Yeah. Do you like this song, Steve, or is it a bit much? It's okay. It's a bit much. Yeah, I think it takes me out of the album a little bit. I think that it's so disparate from the vibe. Um, but it's not a, it's not a low light for me because it's doing something. I I don't know if it is disparate for the vibe because I get this kind of I have this overwhelming sense that the vibe is nostalgia, basically. Yeah, I think a lot of the images that he's pulling from are images from his childhood, um, and he has there's a lot of like looking back at stuff, and I think to then use the kind of music that they would have grown up listening to, you know, is 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 another like. It's another string on that bow of nostalgia. Yeah, no, I get that. I think um, sonically, it kind of comes out of that vibe, maybe. The Blue Hedgehog. Uh, uh, yeah. Sonic, Sonic Lee. <laughs> Lee the Hedgehog. He's so fast. Lee, is, that one of those side, Lee. is that one of those extra characters in Sonic that no yeah. one's heard of? There's so all, many, isn't there? Because um, we've all only kid, heard of three or four, right? Like, Name some. then there's actually like 25. Well, you've got Sonic. Sonic. You've got Miles, Tails, Prower. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got yeah, knuckles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got yeah, shadow. Yeah. yeah, lovely. You got Doctor Eggman slash Robotnik. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Amy. That's the end of the list. Don't know who Amy is. Pikachu. Pink one. Pikachu. Mario. Pikachu. Yeah, Red Mario. Ranger. Yeah. Godzilla. Uh, Thunder. Th- Mister Thundercat. Were Mario. Yeah. Virgil and Virgil. We did it. We named all oh, the Sonic all characters. That's all the Sonic characters. Yeah. Excellent. Nice. That's how we did it. Sort of yeah. proved you wrong okay. a bit. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to. Yeah. Soz. Actually, why am I saying Soz? Uh, yeah, no, this one, it, weirdly though, it, I, I find it a bit cheesy and a bit cringe, and so I don't really like it, but at least it doesn't actively annoy me like Catapult. So it's right. not my low light because okay. of that, because Catapult yeah. actually, I'm like, oh, this is just Fills you with rage. Fills, fills, fills it's you not with rage, rage, it just fills me with just like, <laughs> Whereas like just disgust that was just that was the sound of disgust you said there was nothing on this Whereas album this... that you disliked but i think catapult is getting there isn't it yeah maybe maybe i've grown to realize how much i don't like it <laughs> yeah but then but then this is just kind of like just a bit like unnecessary i'd probably describe it as get rid oh this that's get interesting rid, I unnecessary i really like it uh i i had that reaction to it because it is so sugary but i like it now i like its place in the album it's nice to, uh, i think i'm kind of erring towards steve thing there which is like you know, not a highlight, but at least it's doing something new that we haven't heard on the album yet, you know? Yeah, mm. I'll, I'll give it that, but it doesn't, the thing isn't something I, I'm up for. So. Yeah, fair. I'll give it, give it points, but like... Also remove also some give points. It, but also give it a red card so it's off the pitch. A straight red away. card? You're straight away, it's off the pitch. You're not even giving it a yellow first. No, but I'm giving it, I'm giving it a penalty, right? I'm, le- I'm taking the goalie off, yeah, uh, off the pitch so they get a free goal. Nah, I'm not. Right? But then I'm giving them a red card. (laughs) (laughs) Just 
instantly fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like you're saying Western Steel. Okay, good good observation. And then also, and then it sounds like it's going lam ba lam ba. So is this song just about like industry? I mean, right. It would not be out of character for REM to just do a song about about industry. They've got loads of songs about, that are like about farming, about Western Steel and lumber. Yeah, absolutely. That would be absolutely something that he would do. And so, so much of their imagery at this point is caught up in uh, in farm equipment. Uh, and like mm. tractor song, I'm singing a tractor song. There's, so, is that one? Something of like that. There's one that's about a train coming up. One, Tra- one of my favourite songs is just about a train. So yeah, yeah, it's excellent. It's excellent. So one of the trains famously like, farm equipment. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, okay. but I mean they they do like that would be in keeping with your Western steel lumbar thing. Some kind of like just maybe it's being delivered on a train. You know, it's very uh, REM. But also, that's not what they're saying. <laughs> what is, is he saying? Long gone. Uh, is that what he's saying? Uh, yes, long gone. Uh, and the Western yeah. Steel was obviously west of the fields. West of the fields. West of the fields. Because that's the name of the track. Yeah, exactly. Yes, indeed. It's a lot. Yeah, it's definitely. It's definitely talking about sort of nature. That's really extent. interesting. The antelopes are strange. Trying to sicken me. That's not the real lyric. Is it not? No. What is the lyric? Uh, the animal's so strange, try to stick it in. Try to stick it in, I think it is. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that is just a, a user-generated error there. The, the antelopes yeah, are strange, they try to stick it in me. But good lyric either way. Um, yeah, I like it. I like that the, the antelopes are strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting you said uh, nature, um, because I think you're just going like for fields. But I, I think that there is Fields a... Fields and antelope, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a reference to dreaming of Elysium. Is that right? Yeah, what's, yes, what's yes, there is. Which is a, no, Elysian. Right, but I think he's fucking it up. Because... Oh, and he's supposed to be saying Elysium. <laughs> yeah, because I, you would dream of Elysium or you would dream of the Elysian Fields, which it, it's the afterlife in ancient Greek mythology. Yeah, Elysian. No, isn't that Elysian? What's Elysium? There's a film. There's a film where they're, is, where they're playing on that myth. To, yeah, because they, because go they to, live go in to the heavens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Special place. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think the fields are the afterlife, right? It's not necessarily nature. Like in Gladiator. Yes, that, though, yes <laughs> those are the Elysian fields. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, Greek, yeah. isn't it? Is he yeah, Greek? Yeah. Is that I Greek? I think it's Roman. I'm gonna go I think he's Roman. Australian, actually. I think he is Australian. Yeah, I think that's true. They're making a sequel. They are, yes. Not How the one written by Nick Cave in which oh, Gladiator is. Not the mad Nick Cave one. no. But what even is the sequel going to be? Because he, well, I mean, spoiler alert: the film two, came out a long time. He's dead. Yeah. He dies. Yeah, he does die. Yeah. So what you can do there? Is Russell Crowe even in it? 
Oh, if Russell Crowe's not in it, then it's worth not really I don't think it is. I think uh, Paul Mescal was in it. I think he's taking the lead. Anyway, um, it, the, the song also asks, what is dreaming? And it kind of answers, when we try to listen with our eyes. Which I think is really good. Mm, um, yeah. It's, it's about, uh, if, if, if it is about death and the afterlife or whatever, it makes sense to put it at the end. Because it's at the end of the album yeah. and all of that stuff. It's good. I think this is a, a good closer. I, I think that there is an argument, and I think Lucas might be the one to put forward this argument because we talk a lot about closing tracks, and I think he might make the argument that it's just another song. Um, and I and I think oh, Adam, yeah, it's like you've read my notes. I think that there is an argument for it. It is just a song on an album that I think you could just view as a collection of songs. Right? There's not this grand overarching theme like there is on things like OK Computer or The Miseducation of Lauren Hill um, or The Second Law by Muse. You know, it, it didn't, doesn't have this like grand thing. It is just kind of, here are 12 songs that R.E.M. wrote in the early 80s, you know. But that doesn't mean yeah. that they're not writing about the same concerns. Um, and I think that that little run at the end of the album, like Nine Nine, Shaking Through and We Walk, are these little genre experiments uh, at the end of the album kind of which is very exciting to me, and I think it adds a lot to the album's variety and replayability. But it does also make sense here for the last track to be a consolidation of the REM sound, you know, and or, or the REM sound of this album. It feels like it has like a little bit of everything we just heard. You know, it's sharp, but it has some atmosphere. It's energetic and it's soaring. It's got a bit of a weirdness to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. This just doesn't, d- d- didn't land with me at all, this one. And I don't know if that's because... Because of the Lucas thing, of it's just like, like you said, it's got a bit of everything. So therefore, it's just kind of a generic one. Mm, yeah. And then it's at the end of side two. I don't know. I love how we're oh. fully on. You're fully on board with this side one, side two. Oh yeah. Notion. Yeah. Loved that. I listened to the whole two minutes to so Adam. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Did the you? The problem uh, was I, st- I started thinking about the bad things. Well, that will happen. It will creep in. Yeah. Did you uh did you do a listen through where during that time you got up, moved somewhere else, yes. pretended to turn something over and then I did back. this I sort of yeah. flopped my hands around like I'm yeah, doing yeah. things and yeah, business. Yeah, that's what I did as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I didn't actually do that. No, me neither. <laughs> I will say that it was uh it was quite pleasant because um I've started now to do a little walk around the block in the morning before work. The old bloody mental health. Yeah. Um, and it's exactly one it's exactly side one so that's pleasant that's nice yeah it's yeah. like exactly um, 22 minutes or something yeah, yeah. so I got in and then the two minutes was happening and I came upstairs and then yeah lovely stuff yeah lovely stuff lovely stuff uh, yeah I, oh, uh, not, not, not a whole lot for me this one yeah fair I, enough I do like the it's another one with like some trading vocals Yes, they're pinging off like each that. other. Really nice. Yep, Chorus I like is that. cool. That's something, that's something I universally like. Let's not say universally, because someone's going to find something where yeah, like, we'll there's find some something. fucking Don't worry. racist like, <laughs> propaganda song that's got really great trading vocals, but the things that they're saying are absolutely abhorrent. <laughs> no, and they'll go, well, you like this then? I was yeah. just going to find a song that you obviously wouldn't like that also has some trading vocals in and go, why don't you like this then? Your mug. You said you liked this and you, now you're saying you don't. What are you talking about? Which is all we ever really do on this podcast. Why change? But no, yeah, this one, this one it is, it kind of is just another, I don't dislike it, but it is just another track on the album. It is just another track on the album, but it is the last track of the album. Uh, mm. And when we have gone track by track on a full album, we, uh, for new listeners, we like to sum up how we feel 
We point out our two highlights and two lowlights on the album, and then we give it a score out of 10. Before we get into scoring, there's uh, people might need a recap, but there's also some people that haven't heard us before. They've joined us just for the R.E.M. season. So when we score welcome. an album, welcome, welcome. You, and you're welcome. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome and you are welcome. And you are welcome. Um <laughs> When we score something, we score it out of 10.5s are available to us. Let's just very quickly run down what each of those scores kind of correlates to. Let's start in the middle. We like, we like a middle out. So of course. Five, bang average. Okay? Yeah. Bang average. Don't like it. Don't dislike it. We subscribe to the notion that five means average. Not this thing where you give something a seven when it's average. Yeah. No. Absolutely that's a waste of That's a waste of one through four. Yeah, it really five, is. Five. Five means average. It's not a bad score. If something gets a five on this podcast, we're not saying it's bad. We are saying it's clean, bang average. Do you know what else it's not? It's not good either. No, it's not good either. <laughs> it's, not, it's not good. It's not no. bad. No, no. <laughs> Neither something that gets a six. Let's let's uh, let, let's see what uh, let's see what's going on with the uh, the lower part of this scoring system. Zero, unlistenable. One. <laughs> catastrophic <laughs> nothing uh, has ever received uh, an unlistenable something has received a two uh which correlates to awful three is just your plain old bad uh yeah. four subpar obviously five bang average now the top half six dece it's decent dece. decent decent it's not quite good but it's not average either it's a cut above your average stuff it's decent decent nuts sorry i couldn't seven that's your solid. This is good. All good. right. Good. Uh, eight. No, don't you know? You can't say it with that. Uh, no, because that's that's what the seven point five does. That gives it good. Oh right. Good. Okay. Seven good. is good. If you want to go, it's good. That's seven point five. Okay. It? Also translates <laughs> okay. to really good. But we're not going to get into naming the, the point fives. Eight. Oh, should we name the point fives? They're really good. Really great. Really, I'm just <laughs> really? spoiling them. Eight okay. is great. Eight is great. Uh, nine. Excellent. Now, 10, very tempted to be like, oh, 10 out of 10 means it's perfect. Not what we subscribe to on this podcast. 10 just means masterpiece. Maybe it just, you know, hits exactly what that band were going after. Maybe it's the ultimate example of that kind of album. Maybe it's just really fucking good, like in Rainbows, for instance. It's a masterpiece. That's what the 10 is. Anyway, okay. Who wants to dig in first on Murmur by R.E.M.? Um. This is really pleasant. Uh, it was it was a nice listen. It was, but it, it's it's got that darkness to it, and that's what I really liked about it. There is a undercurrent of that throughout, despite songs like "Bloody Little Jaunty," "We Will Walk," "Girl," "You Need Up Mother Brown." I think it sure. it kind of it does tread the line between like I don't know. I didn't find it as varied as you've been talking about. So therefore, the ones the things I. Uh, responded to was when it was maybe doing something a little different do, um, do you hear the variation now or do you just flat out disagree i with do me? no i no yeah I, I i hear the variation um mm. especially the way you've described them as well so like what i need to get my head into is a mode of the variation within rem's sound mm. not why are they not doing something radically different from from track to track yeah um because there is a very i think there's a very focused sound this album um which is which is also it's a good thing for it as well um so yeah i really enjoyed it there's like i said there's absolutely nothing offensive about it it's sort of offensively inoffensive 
Uh, it's very easy to listen to. <laughs> but the vibe is the vibe is what I need to grasp hold of. And I think, like I said, I need to get start getting into what the vibe is rather than specifics for REM. Um, it's still absolutely mad to me. This is 1983. Mm. Um, so yeah, I sort of really enjoyed my time with it, and it was very pleasant. Um, we'll do low lights. I think West of the Fields and laughing. Um, oh, okay, okay. Those are safe picks. I'm going to be honest with you. No one's going to be angry about those. That's fine. Well, you you wait. Because I'm about to blow your minds. Bloody hell. My highlights, I don't... Oh, I, I'm going to blow your minds with not knowing what to pick. I really like 9-9. Nine nine. Um, it is cool. And do you Do-9 know what? Lights. Yeah, I know. And guess what? <laughs> Catapult. 9-9 nine nine and Catapult in the highlights. Yeah. yeah. Oh, incredible. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I love that. I think I'm going uh, to... I... I think I've settled on the fact this is a good album, mm. and I think it is a straight seven out of ten for me. Wow! Um, okay, cool. I enjoyed my time with it. I didn't find it particularly remarkable. Um, I wonder if I will come back to this, and with with further context, or when I'm more into the REM. Steam train, st- freight train. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what I'm saying. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, because I don't know if I was looking for something that potentially shouldn't be, you know? You might have been looking for something that actually will never arrive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's quite beautiful. Steve, you should not just be looking for things you shouldn't be. Just stay away. No? Stay away from the things. <laughs> stay away from yeah. the things. Lucas, sum up your feelings on Murmur, mate. Murmur, um, mate. Ma- Kind of the same as Steve, to be absolutely honest, but 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 with everything like a bit more n- negative, right? Yeah. Um. So like, yeah, I don't hear as much variety as you do because I'm not, you know, Johnny Music, and you are. I'm not and, Johnny Music. I like Coldplay, but there is some good stuff in there that I do like. I don't think I'll feel much drive to go back to the album, but there'll be a few tracks that will make the old playlist as there normally is. Um, but nothing, but very little of it do I dislike, apart from me discovering halfway through this episode that I, I dislike catapult. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so, like, yeah, it, I'm interested to see where they go, what more they do. I know, you know, I'm not, I'm not going into this expecting dramatic shifts across the season, but I almost am hoping. But now that means I'm like double bluffing myself that I'm underestimating them, and that when they do, then shift things up a bit, I'll be like, oh, good. Hooray. Um, but like I said, like Steve said, maybe I'm looking for things that aren't there or maybe I'm hoping for things that I'm not going to get and I need to just get into the rhythm of REM and what that looks like and sounds like and smells like. <laughs> um, teen Spirit. Uh, well, was Teen Spirit out in 1983? No. The deodorant? I don't know. Yeah, the deodorant. Yeah, was it out? Um, but yeah, I mean, on the whole though, it's like, it's all right. It's fine. I mean, this is a, like a really roundabout way of saying, like, I think I'm going to give it a five. This is a devastating day for me. Which is that it's fine. I just think it's, <laughs> I think, I think, I think it's fine. Yeah, like, I, I've heard REM songs <laughs> yeah, that, that are we'll much better than every song on this album. Sure, I'll just give it a five. I don't sure why not. And so <laughs> there's, 
There's REM songs that I've heard from later. Why not? The big, the big ones. The big ones <laughs> that, that are much better than anything on this album. And so, hey, maybe later they do albums that are all of that quality. And yeah, if so, five that much, much better. <laughs> Uh, um, uh, yeah. uh, in terms of low lights, um, catapult, I reckon. Yeah, catapult. And I don't know what's one of the ones that are just kind of like nothing, like West of the Fields. No, because that's got the trading vocals thing. I don't know. We walk because it's a bit cheesy. No, but at least it's got something. Oh. What did I nothing? Maybe you just really like this album. I didn't really like talk about passion, did I? So maybe that. And then highlights. 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 Moral kiosk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, I'm going to replace. Uh, I'm going to replace talk about passion with uh, standing still. Um, okay, well, that's not a song that's on the album, right, Lucas? Sitting still. Because I think I remember that one being a bit nothing. Okay. And at least like the cheesy one, like We Walk, uh, is something, you know? It's got a bit of something um, to it that makes you go, ha, it stands out from the crowd. And then highlights Moral Kiosk. And what was the one early doors that me and Adam liked and Steve didn't? Was it Laughing? laughing. Yeah, that's right. Laughing. Okay. Okay. La- Those laughing. Are picks. Laughing. <laughs> <laughs> For me, uh, absolutely lovely to dig into this. I've enjoyed my time with it very much. Um, and then reading about it and the circumstances surrounding recording it and the musical landscape that it was released into. I think it's such an interesting album. Uh, I hadn't done a full considered listen in many years uh and i loved it uh, i i think i came into the rem season in general with a lot of preconceptions about my scores for rem albums uh and i wrote them down and i was very sure eight out of ten for murmur just a great album just solid having not listened in years and then on every single listen that i did for this deep dive i heard something new or something different stood out, or I understood something that I didn't before. And I think that one of the strengths of this album and the REM in general is that once I understood one new thing, it brought a bunch of other things into focus from across the album. The line that you can trace through all the images from like the perspective of childhood is very interesting. It knocked down a domino for the like three pigs imagery in Wolves Lower, which isn't even on this album. Um there is a depth to the writing that I think is very impressive, very interesting. It feels like novelistic and it feels layered. Uh, and the playing is fantastic up and down the whole album. They really work very, very well together. I'm convinced if you replace one part of that machine, the whole thing just breaks down. Um, so my appreciation just kind of grew and grew, really. Lucas and Steve, you have both used this phrase before on the podcast, and now it's my turn. I don't know why I wouldn't give this a 10. Um, but I want to qualify this with I'm not giving it a 10. Right. <laughs> I just don't know why I'm not giving it a 10. There's, there's something holding me back from the full 10. Um, I'll tell you what it is. Up and down and do the Love it. Up and down. Oh, okay. Uh, it makes me feel happy. Um, 
there's there are two turning points in REM's career that kind of split up their whole discography into three groups of five albums. And at the end of each group of five, we're going to take a little break and like take stock of that period, discuss them and do top tens from that era. And we'll have one after document. That's the first one. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give this a nine for now. Uh, and between now and then, I'll try and figure out why I wouldn't give it a 10. And if I can't come up with anything, I will simply give it a 10 then. Okay, does that sound good? <laughs> no, that seems wrong to me. Like, if your gut is saying not a 10, then trust your gut. There's something there. Yeah, but I'm going to listen to this a hundred more times before we get there. Yeah, I'm going to listen to this more because I, I've given it a seven. And I think I may really evaluate that. And that's why we have those episodes to, re, to re, you know, to have another listen through, reevaluate the score and all of that. What's funny is when you said I'm going to listen to this a hundred more times, I thought you meant like, you know, ever. And you just meant... Before the episode we recorded yeah, in a the few next, months in the next few months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my lowlights might surprise you. Um, Moral Kiosk, which I believe was one of Lucas's highlights, uh, and Nine Nine, Don't which I believe that. was one of Steve's highlights. Mm-hmm. Uh, my highlights um, talk about the passion and shaking through. Um, my score is nine out of ten for now. Uh, I, I think that's kind of interesting that I loved the raw energy of the EP, but here I respond to those soaring, country-esque kind of things. Um, yeah, there we go. That's where I land on Murmur. Certainly more positive about it than I've ever been in my life, with potentially some room to grow, because I think this this album has more to to give me, you know. Um, it's a pretty good in, indication of the the vibe of us three. Adam's positive, Lucas is negative, and I'm I'm also here in the middle. I somewhere. was decidedly not negative. I was decidedly. I meant in terms of literally uh, bang average. Yeah, d- not not negative, but not positive either. Hmm. That's just that's bang, key. Just straight, just absolutely nothing. He nothinged it. Um, On today's episode, I'd like to talk to you about Buzzsprout, the user-friendly podcast hosting for non-techie people. I think that if this podcast has achieved anything, it's showing that literally anybody can start a podcast. Do you need any previous experience? No. Do you need top-of-the-range audio equipment? No. Do you need entertaining or insightful content? Absolutely not. But there is one thing that you will need, and that's podcast hosting or somewhere to store your podcast and deliver them to all of those podcast places, like the one where you're listening to this now. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast, just do it. We here at Big Mates Enterprises use Buzzsprout to host and publish our podcast because it's the best and easiest way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed on all the major podcast directories within minutes of finishing your recording. That's Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Castbox, Pocket Cast, Podbean, Podcast Addict. The list goes on and on. The other thing we've found is that not only do you get useful and easy to understand statistics about how well your podcast is doing, but also that the support team is super helpful with somebody always on hand to answer questions and help our podcast succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message to the world, and you'll get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your podcasts, and much, much more. But wait, because the more is now. (laughs) Because if you follow the link in our show notes, when you sign up, it lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you. And do you know what that gets you? 
$20 worth of credit when you sign up for a paid plan. And that warm feeling in your stomach, knowing that not only are you on your way to podcast greatness, but that you've helped support this show too. So if you're starting your podcast, or you're looking to move your podcast, use Buzzsprout and follow our link in the show notes. Back to the episode. Talking about the release of Murmur, Peter Buck said, we figured it would be a, a like, like a lot of other good records we'd made. It would sell a few thousand. Cool people would like it, and most people would never get to hear it. Um, a month after its release, it appeared in the Billboard Top 200 chart at 190. Uh, and then two weeks after that, it hit 97. And then another six weeks after that, it hit 49. Uh, and then in August, it reached its peak at number 36. It was kind of unprecedented success for such a nascent band, even though it was a very slow burn. It actually sold below record label expectations. It sold about 200,000 copies by the end of 1983, so in about eight months. Um, but it had staying power. And one thing that helped was the critics who immediately fell in love with it and championed it. And I, part of that is that they had started to recognise an alternative rock scene that was outside of the mainstream rock scene and they needed a face for the movement at large. And it helped that this album was really fucking good. Uh, Rolling Stones gave, gave it four stars, which was very unlike them. They are typically curmudgeonly, especially about new acts. Musician, the New York Times, and Record gave the same scores, amongst other sort of typically glowing reviews. What did Rolling Stone say about it? They said, Murmur is the record on which REM trade their potential for results, an intelligent, enigmatic, deeply involving album. It reveals a depth and cohesiveness cohesiveness to REM that the EP could only suggest. Uh, record called it a splendid little film noir of an album, austere but rich in implication. Uh, and then, of course, there was College Radio, Chronic Town was very popular, so that kind of laid the groundwork for motivated young people to go out and buy this debut album straight away. College Radio, absolutely instrumental to their success, uh, this record especially. And then here's something that I don't, I don't know if we've ever really talked about before. Something. There's a degree of circumstantial success, right? Right place, right time yeah. kind of thing. And there was a lot of kind of things that all kind of bubbled up at the same time. Critics, like I just said, were looking for the face of alternative rock. There was the second British invasion. So bands <laughs> like Duran Duran, The Human League, Soft Cell, Flock of Seagulls, Spandau Ballet, the success of those new wave bands in America, which was spurred on by them having incredibly flashy videos that were being shown on the brand new but instantly popular television channel, MTV. Um, music television. Mm music television there there were people looking for the american version of the british new wave bands what was the u.s new wave and i suppose that list of bands incidentally is a good example of how rem differed from what was becoming popular um people were looking for new bands in general because the beginning of the 80s saw the largest dip in record sales in general to date uh and they found rem who were weird enough to be new you know, you listen to some of that and you go, hey, this sounds new and accessible enough to be popular. Um, there's a nice little confluence of events there that all play in REM's favour. I read someone suggesting that if they'd started a couple of years earlier or if they'd started a couple of years later, they wouldn't have had the success that they had. Um, and they also gave good interviews that were like 
gently ridiculous and funny, but also added to the mystery. Someone mentioned to them uh, that they sound like the Birds, you know, the 60s pop group, the Birds, yeah. who do that arpe- arpeggiated guitar thing. R.E.M. said, uh, no, we don't. We don't even like the Birds. Uh, and then within a couple of weeks had added a Birds cover to their set. Like, <laughs> so, um, uh, there was some like tabloid style art- style articles on Mike Mills getting naked with a lady on top of a water tower. Um, and then Michael Stipe was giving quotes like, on the ladder of important things in this world, being in a rock band is probably on a lower rung. But then again, being Secretary of State is probably way down there too. <laughs> uh, so they, they had this kind of dry humour, this kind of slyness, and they were all steadily kind of perfecting their roles as well. And so like Stipe's very artistic and shy. Peter Buck is kind of the rock guy, you know. Mills, Mike Mills, he's the classically trained musician. And then Bill Berry is the no-nonsense businessman kind of guy. And and they also just continued to grow their audience by picking back up on the absolutely relentless touring. Like, as soon as Murmur was finished, they spent a month supporting the English beat. And then they toured as a club headliner from May to July 1983. Marketed using that idea we talked about in the first episode about, like, you know, being from the South. But REM insisted that they were indicative of scenes and acts rather than being this one band. Uh, that 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 was you know making this kind of music, and they said that these acts were like popping up in cities all over the country. You just had to kind of dig dig to to get to them, um, and lots of bands were starting to use REM's playbook. REM were now the pioneers, rather than the only band doing what they were doing. Um, but they kind of didn't turn their back on that. They they championed that themselves by booking all of these underground artists to support them on tour. And they began to describe themselves as a folk rock band. So they're kind of like completely, kind of, not completely, but trying to just gently move away from this idea of like this nascent thing of college rock or whatever. Mm. They started to describe themselves as folk rock. Um, and slowly they were becoming this kind of amorphous, all things to all people or maybe people took from them what they wanted because they were energetic and punky but also they're thoughtful and sophisticated and they are a fringe avant-garde band and also the vanguard of the entire new rock movement in America and they are incredibly lucky but also incredibly talented like it's it's very easy to say that REM were just there at the right time but to be fair to REM they were there with a sound that nobody else really had, operating like nobody else really did, writing songs that nobody else could really write. Um, and they were out there just kind of doing things how they wanted to do them. They were asked to make a video for Radio Free Europe, and Michael Stipe worked hard to create this incredibly ponderous art film of the band wandering around a strange garden in the rural south. Right. The record company... Not impressed. No. Um, Peter Buck hated music videos in general for a start, so he looks miserable for the whole thing. Uh, Michael Stipe loved them, but wanted much more uh, control over them. Uh, it's, it's interesting to me that music videos still pretty new, so it's funny that they instantly went, "Nah, we'll do it differently." Actually, like we're yeah. just going to do it. We're just there's still not a solid format for this, but we're definitely not going to do it anyway. Um, in October 1983, they went on David Letterman and performed Radio Free Europe and a song so new that it didn't have a name. Um, 
And before the show, the producers asked that the leader of the band move to the desk with David Letterman uh, between songs for an interview. And R.E.M. said, well, they didn't work like that. They don't, they don't have a leader. And maybe actually David Letterman should move from the desk and come to us on the stage and talk to us there uh, rather than the other way around, which he did. And he talked a little bit to Peter Buck and Mike Mills, which is interesting because I think everybody probably sees Michael Stipe as the leader of R.E.M. in yeah. a way. Yeah, yeah. Because he's kind of the stereotypical frontman. You can't even really see him in the clip. He's sat down and he's hiding and he has like long golden curls uh, over, his, over his face. Um, and then they were convinced to support The Police, one of the biggest alternative bands in the world at that time, obviously with connections to their record label and their booking agent and whatever. This was going to be arenas and stadiums, uh, but they were enjoying playing to like around a thousand people as a headline band. Uh, the thing that Peter Buck said was, we didn't have the right equipment, we didn't have a sound man, we didn't have a light man, then we were going to play to people who'd never heard of us and never even gave a shit. Um, they eventually gave in, and I imagine that the $10,000 a night probably helped. Mm. They played seven shows, five in arenas, and two in stadiums, including Shea Stadium, which of course is where the Beatles famously played, like one of the first ever stadium gigs, right? Um, they hated it. Uh, the the eternally grumpy Peter Buck said this. We knew it was going to be horrible, but we got talked into it. It just taught us that we're pretty much right on these things. Everyone said that, oh, this will make you have a hit record. But we did the seven dates and we didn't sell one fucking record out of that. It was a waste <laughs> of fucking time. I don't think anyone liked us. I really don't think anyone did. I'm glad I got to play Shea Stadium. It was cool. But the other dates were just boring. <laughs> well, I like him. <laughs> Love that energy. Yeah. That's great. They just had absolutely no interest in doing the things that you were supposed to do. I think Miles Copeland, who's who's another head of IRS, told the band that they didn't really have the right image, so that they should be going all in on like doing monstrous tours, opening for people all over the world. You should have a big name producer. You should be making high tech music videos. And REM just said no. We just want to do it the way that we want to do it. Mm. And then. Copeland said, that's fine, but you have to pay the price of those decisions. He said, you can't expect us to give you a number one single if we don't think that there is one there. Uh, and R.E.M. said, we are prepared to pay that price. And they never had a number one single in their entire career. Um, but they also never complained about it. Like They never went back to record executives going like, why aren't we getting this number one single? The answer is because you didn't write one. And un we're never the kind of band that we're going to write one. Um, it's, it's interesting, actually. Peter Buck summed up their attitude like this. I want to make my own mistakes. Fair. Yeah, Ballad, I think that's right? good. I think that's a really good way of doing it. You yeah. know? Um, in October 1983, they, uh, they played a Halloween show with the Cramps, uh, where they billed themselves as It Crawled from the South, uh, which is cool. a cool name for their band. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, Murmur had been released in the UK in August 1983, about four months after the US, and R.E.M. were booked to play on The Tube, which is this very influential British TV show in November. So they also played two shows in London and a couple in France. Clubs that were like 500 people, 1,000 people, I think one of them was. They were their first UK and Europe shows, and they went over like amazingly well, like absolutely packed. Their gigs obviously still... Like even though the the album's a bit more somber, the gig's still very energetic and full of like 
explosive performances of these songs and their their humor was on show a little bit more like stipe would do things like he would tell the audience to do that thing where you crouch down and get ready to leap up and he'd get everyone to crouch down on the floor and then he'd just never tell them to leap up and just sort of continue <laughs> on with the performance until they all just sort of awkwardly started standing back up again one by one um Something remarkably different about gigs back then as I was looking into set lists and I was watching like footage from other bands and stuff. Headliners in club size venues, they usually played about 45 minutes. That was like a headline set. Oh. Um, Lazy. REM, who were obviously, do you remember we said we were honed on those bar band nights where they'd do three 50-minute sets every yeah. night, right? Every night they played an hour and a half. Uh, instead of the standard 45 minutes they just left everyone at the shows like completely exhausted there were incredible reviews from the british press and i think that's where we will leave rem for now just on you know just having finished their british dates in support of murmur but it is worth fast forwarding from 1983 to now 40 years later and quickly look at the legacy of murmur because it is one of those albums um at the end of 1983 Rolling Stone magazine made Murmur their album of the year. Uh, they ranked it above Thriller by Michael Jackson. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's very often, I've said this a number of times, just to reassert, very often held up as one of the greatest debut albums of all time. Um, at the time, regarded by some as a masterpiece, now regarded by many, if not all, as a masterpiece. It was in Spin's top 100 alternative albums at number eight. Pitchfork put it at number five in their top 100 albums of the 80s. Mojo included it in their 100 records that changed the world. It's obviously in 1,001 albums you must hear before you die. It's number 18 in Rolling Stone's 100 best debut albums of all time. Speaking of Rolling Stone, you guys have inadvertently done a little chunk of the Rolling Stone 500 greatest albums of all time. Uh, at this point, you're, you're, you're slowly ticking them off because we've done the Benz, we've done OK Computer, we've done Kid A, Amnesiac in Rainbows. We've also done The Score and we've done The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. And Murmur. Murmur is in Rolling Stone's 500 greatest albums of all time at, a num- at number 165. It's like, it's- what, about, what about Drones? Drones by Muse, not in there. No albums by Muse in oh, there. Oh, that's, that's surprising. Yeah. 501. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was close. It really was yeah. close. 501 this year. <laughs> maybe, maybe next time. Maybe next time. The list in eight years' time. Maybe yeah, time. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm interested in the gap between critical reception, legacy, you know, all these things that are like greatest debut album of all time, uh, just one of the, you know, 10s out of 10s, all of this stuff. The gap between that and us. Um, because there is, there, and some, and uh, for a lot of albums, there's been a marked difference. There's one infamous one that we've had in our past where there was a marked difference between uh, sort of like our average score and the average score you would get from like other critics and stuff. And I suppose, uh, Lucas, I'm curious how that aligns with your very recent realisation you came to when scoring things, in season five, in fact, the critical versus how much you like it, the seven out of ten for The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, an album you said you'd probably never hear in full again, but you also said this clearly, it's clearly a good album, but that just, it just isn't necessarily like exactly my thing. Speak on that in regards to Murmur. Um. Yes, I guess that I guess what you're trying to get at here is I've given it a score of bang average, and this score presumably was a 
very well received critically etc uh, yeah. yeah so i guess what you're trying to get out there is like why the disconnect why lauren hill seven why murmur five yeah, yeah, and yeah I exactly. guess the difference is, I think I can see in miseducation what it is that critics are saying is amazing, right? I can see that, even if it's not. But the thing is, I'm not even saying it's not for me. It's just that's not a genre of music I'm super into, right? That's like the one it yeah. really boils down to. But I can absolutely see it all. Whereas this, and it's what I said to you, and I said about like, I still don't quite get why REM are in your like big three. Yeah. I still don't. I still have yet to be fully sold on or get the idea of like, what is it that makes REM so special? I'm still yet to, and we've got a long time for me to discover that and for me to hopefully get, <laughs> get a bit more of a grisp, grisp, a grisp? A grisp. Yeah, it's a mix between a grisp, a grip, and a It's a mix between a grip and a grisp. It's a mix between a grip and a grasp. A grisp. Um, I've got plenty of seasons, plenty of episodes to, you know, to get a grasp on that. At this stage still, I very much am like, it's interesting academically that you tell me that this is how it's regarded, because I still hear it and go, it's quite normal. Do you know what I mean? So what that, what that tells me is that I haven't done a good no, enough job. No, I don't think that's true at all. It's no, because no, 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 I can't on, place myself no, 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 wait, in wait, wait, the 80s. Wait, that's what I'm saying. I haven't done a good enough job of explaining to you what else was going on at the time that makes this stand out that makes this the birth of something because i guess all of the things you're saying like oh it sounds quite normal it didn't yeah i know and i know that academically but i just can't yeah. whereas a lot of miseducation i guess i don't know it's not about i guess what we, the things we we we, we um not criticize what's the opposite of criticize complimented miseducation Enjoyed. for the things we complimented miseducation for about why it was warranting a big a high score wasn't about i mean some of it obviously was about like what it was doing in the landscape of music at the time. Also, a lot of yeah. it is about like things she said, way right. she said it, things like that. Which is a little, that's kind of timeless. That that point is kind of timeless. Whereas music didn't sound like this is a lot harder to do when I'm not familiar with what music did sound like because I wasn't there. Whereas like Billy, we did Billy, Eilish. I know what pop music sounds like generally still these days not i'm not you know deeply but i I hear the radio it's interesting that you were saying like oh it's it some of it was about what lauren hill was saying because i suppose it's it's really easy to make the argument for murmur that rem aren't really saying anything yeah 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 right it's like because it's just kind of a collection of songs that have a vibe um there's nothing that does for zion right for zion was a song that i i the song was fine good but the the message and all that of it was like really strong. It elevated and that, it for you. and elevated yeah. it and in a way that old Lucas season one two Lucas wouldn't have would have gone. I don't care about that. It's boring. I get that now more, but there's nothing on here has got that thing elevating it. But the thing that is elevating it is what it was doing at the time for what music was at the time. But again, I can't. I'm not there. I'm not in it. You know. We are in full, uh, like, we are in full opposite of season one Lucas mode. Should we have because... done a primer season on, like, yeah. whatever music preceded this? <laughs> do you know what I might do? I might, for, the, for every album episode that we do, I'll do one of those medleys, right? Nice. That is, like, these were the big popular rock and pop songs of the time. It'll just be like a minute and a half each time, and it'll give you an idea of what was popular and how different that was to what R.E.M. were doing. But presumably, as we get on and on, it will be like that R.E.M. are normal. 
they kind because you've said that they don't yes. enormously change their style so it's not like it's suddenly like oh but yeah they- i mean part of that is true and part of it is just just me wanting to protect you from a like surprises that are coming oh. you know? oh, oh. <laughs> the dubstep album the dubstep the dubstep album, album. Dubstep yeah, album yeah, is album. A, and they've got I a robot on stage who wheels around yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i might i might focus on cuz you're right none of us were born when any of this album like any of these mm. songs came out so it's difficult for us to place it into a time but then uh, i was thinking that this has also happened very famously in our podcast the legendary 3 out of 10 for the holy bible which is now at a 7.5 in large part i guess because you said the album saying and doing things rather than just the sound. And, and I suppose there's And the less... sound has grown on me because I a familiarity right. obviously helps it with me. That's a big thing for me. But then Murmur is just a nice vibey time. So it's interesting mm. and not not necessarily wrong at all. It's interesting that we now have a Lucas that is like nice vibey time's not enough for me. Well, no. I need, I need more. Nice vibey time. <laughs> nice vibey time yeah. absolutely is enough for me because we did a muse season and, and they're not saying fucking anything. But now you're going. I'm enjoying. Well, what's the, the artist saying? I'm enjoying the. I'm enjoying the. No, I guess what it is is when I'm more happy to fall back on it. Right. My first. My my predominant will always be what does it sound like? But if what it sounds like isn't necessarily like something that's fully in my wheelhouse, I'm happy to then go. But what is it doing? Is it? Is there an objective? you know, quality to it that I can at least respect, which is what like Lauren Hill was all about, right? Like music, all right, good, good, yep. good to all right. And, but then bits that was like, oh, but the objective like qualities of it brought it up. Whereas like for this right now, I'm still hearing like musically, yeah, it's fine. It's good. It's nice. Nothing offensive about anything on this album. Nothing that's, I'm going to go fucking what a load of shit. Three out of 10. <laughs> but, but also nothing there that I'm, that's going, well, okay, that notwithstanding, what's the thing that makes it more, what am I missing? And I'm still not hearing a thing I'm missing, really. That's interesting. I That's hope interesting. I hear something I'm missing because otherwise it's going to get real boring real fast for me. If it ends up just being like a load of albums, I just go like, yeah, they're right. They're fine. This is all right. <laughs> it might be. It might be that. And it might be that, look, I mean, this happens with REM is that for me, they have three very distinct eras. And some people will say like, I like the 80s REM and n- nothing else that they ever put out. You know, right. some people would be like, I'm all about the IRS years and I don't like anything else. And some people would be like, I don't really like 80s REM. It's in the 90s for me where they reach that that kind of point that I enjoy them because they're doing something a bit different. And I don't think there's anybody that says that the third period is their favourite, but we'll see. It might be, okay. you might be the first. It might be me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might be you. I could see you loving Around the Sun or something like that. That's probably a big Lucas take. Um, We're going Around the Sun right now. Yeah, and you're loving it. I lo- I, and you're loving it. Am I? Am I? Am I loving it? You want off? <laughs> kind of. I suppose if if I had to sum up, like if I had to sum up, what is it that makes Murmur different? I think it's like I've painted myself into a corner there because I've started a sentence that I don't know how to finish because <laughs> it's, it's such a complex answer. Yeah. Where you're just like they're t- okay, so they're taking post punk, they're taking this new kind of DIY ethos. And But they're not just being like, let's be purely experimental and do something nothing has ever heard before. Let's not purely experiment with outside sources. Let's not be talking heads, okay, who come a little bit before REM. Let's reach back into familiar music from the 1960s, stuff like the Birds, stuff like the Beatles, stuff like the Monkees, okay? And let's take that kind of very pop sensibility and let's blend the two. Let's be 
accessible enough to be popular, but weird enough to be cool. And that's what Murmur is. And, and it came out so fully formed that that's why critics went, wow, we've never heard anything like this before. Do you know what yeah. that weirdly, that sentence um, immediately made me think of? Accessible enough to be popular, but weird enough to be cool. Yeah. Billie Eilish. Yeah. Who we've covered. Or, the reason I keep bringing her up to listeners that aren't familiar, yeah. we, did, we did a season on her. Uh, yeah. Or Radiohead, right? Uh, yeah. um, bits of them are not accessible enough to be popular at all. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Have you heard the King of Limbs? <laughs> Bulk slash pull revolving doors. Absolute banger. But also there's a lot of kind of, I, ah, this is the thing. Uh, th- this is something that struck me as interesting, as you were saying it earlier, is that you guys didn't see the variety that I saw in the album. Yeah, right? yeah, and th- and then the episode uh, has made me see it, and I've I've said that I think I think Murmur's going to be a little seed, and I think that my perception may change depending on um, what I'm putting it up against with other R yes. albums. So it's going to yeah. be interesting to kind of listen along with the next one uh, alongside. Um, yeah, I think as I as I'm at, am at the moment, seven seems right. But I I th- I I'm, I've got a feeling. I'm in the same know. boat. I don't know. Yeah. Nine feels right, but I might. I don't know. It might come. Yeah. It might go down. It might come up. Um, we did open it up a little bit. I also mentioned them slightly becoming all things for all people, or people taking what they want from REM, uh, which I think is. I I actually think I'm gonna fight again because I think my variety thing is spot on, and I think the all things to all people thing. Is is spot on because I believe that we have six highlights between us that's, from a twelve track album. That's cool. I don't think yeah. we crossed over on highlights at all. No crossover at all in our favorite tracks, which I think either doesn't happen very often or has never happened before. Interesting. I'm trying to think. Of, uh, is it because I really liked brain. Catapult and you guys didn't know? <laughs> and, and, and no one, no one. I like Catapult. Well, yeah, it's on a, all right. It's on a nine out of ten. Album. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I like uh, I'm now desperately, desperately trying to remember if there's an album where that's been the case. But yeah, we'd have to go back to the archives. Somebody in our Discord will yeah, sure. Yeah, come on, guys, yeah. Yeah, get the yeah. wiki out and Absolutely. work out. <laughs> I'm almost certain that my score will change. I just need. I think I need more time with it, and I think I need more time to get into into the season. I tell you what, it 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 might take you 20 years because I I knew. Not going in to Murmur when I first started listening to them, but I knew about its acclaim and I knew about its reputation. And I have to say, the first few listens to it, I was like, don't really get what all the fuss mm. is about. Um, but it's kind of a slow burn record, I think. It does it does creep up on you. Um, I, I think a part of it is that the album sounded fresh and new when it came out. But I do think that in hindsight, knowing everything that came after it, I do think it still feels fresh and new in that environment. Nobody really recreated Murmur. Lots of people had a go at sounding like R.E.M., but whatever special aspects Murmur has have remained on Murmur, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Cool album, cool band, cool guys. Um, <laughs> uh, that brings us to the end of another episode. Before we go, I obviously want to talk about our listeners a little bit. Firstly, I want to dedicate this episode to Michelle Fescio, who is one of our biggest mate subscribers over on Patreon. Thank you very much for subscribing over there at that tier. This episode is yours. You may do with it whatever thou doth wish. Mm. Um, And also, while we're talking about our listeners, do we have time for maybe a little bit of an email of some kind from one of our listeners, just to be clear? Obviously. 
This is from Harry Bate. Uh, Hello there, big mates. Before I regale you with my Tom York-centred tale, I just wanted to say I really love your show. I listen to it nearly every day, and I love it because it feels like I'm talking with three awesome lads who love the same band that I absolutely adore. Anyway, I good grew email, up in by Oxford. The way. Good email. Good Great start. email. Great. Good start. Yeah. Good email. Anyway, yeah, really I grew up start. in Oxford, and so I have one or two Tom York stories. One time, my brother was walking down a street with his friend in the late 2010s, and a man in a long coat and grey, unkempt beard passed them by. The friend thought it was a homeless guy, but my brother knew. It was Tom York. And he told his friend, I think that's Tom York. And the friend replied (laughs) with, who? Uh, This is a bit of six degrees of separation, but my sister knew the babysitter. Uh, Hang on. This is a bit of six degrees separation, but my sister knew the babysitter who knew Tom's old babysitter for his kids when they were young. And also I was best mates with Tom's daughter. That's the more impressive bit, to be honest with you. I mean, I say best friends more as a reference. We were good friends, though. She's a wonderful person who was the year above me in secondary school. We were both theatre kids, and we were also in film club and theatre writing club together. In that theatre writing club, she did an interpretive dance with her friend to Billie Eilish's Bury a Friend. So that's a pretty fun crossover. Also in that theatre club, I played man who stood in the background with no lines as I missed the two months of school where her and her friends wrote the play because we were planning to move to America, which is where I now live. Because of this cross-country move, I was only at the school for two years, so she's probably forgotten all about me. But while I was there, I was in King Lear with her for a secondary school Shakespeare competition where... Agnes was Lear and I was King of France. It's a small role. Our version of King Lear was very modern and was inspired by David Bowie's Labyrinth and features lots of Bowie music, including Heroes at the end, which is why I'm writing, which which as I'm writing this now, feels like copyright infringement. We also directly quoted Labyrinth in our version of King Lear. What? It sounds amazing. There's a bit bit where David Bowie in the film gives his puppet court permission to laugh, and then they do, which we then did in our play. At that show, I sat directly behind Tom York, but I was only about 11 at the time, so I obviously wasn't a fan of Radiohead, and so I didn't want to bother him, despite my brother and mum telling me how cool he is. I never liked that music that much for most of my life, but music really saved me during quarantine, and I got into Radiohead last year, and it helped me get through a lot of things and brings me so much joy. On reflection, I realised how cool it is and how lucky I am to be friends with someone who is a marvellous actor, wonderful singer and truly kind person. And the fact that she's slightly related to my favourite band ever is all right as well. I hope she's doing well as I haven't seen her in about four years, but she deserves the world. Anyway, I hope you find this as cool as I find your podcast. All the best to you, Harry. Thank you, Harry. That's a little insight into uh, Oxford and how close everybody is, I suppose. Thank you for the email. Our next episode is out next Monday, but got something a little bit different, something a little bit special for you. It's our Christmas special before we take a couple of weeks off, and then we will be back on the 8th of January with our first episode on R.E.M.'s second album, Reckoning. So come and join us for the Christmas special. Come and join us in the new year for Reckoning. But uh, before you uh, come and join us for that episode, let us know what you think of Murmur. Does it live up to its reputation? Were you a fan of it when it came out? Did you arrive to it after hearing other REM? And what was that like? Come and tell us everything. The show works best when it's in direct conversation with all of you, your listeners. Uh, you can find us on 
Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at What Is Music Pod, TikTok at What Is Music, and if you want to send in something a little bit longer, we can read it out on the show. You can email us, whatismusicpod at gmail.com. And I tell you what, if you like what you heard here and thought I'd like to hear more of that, head over to our Patreon page. You're going to find all kinds of extra podcast shows. One where we revisit Manage Street Preachers. One where we explore all kinds of different artists, genres and eras to make themed playlists. There's bonus commentaries. There's music discussion episodes. There's ad-free episodes of this show. There's a great Discord community and crisis interludes. You can head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in the show notes for up to two podcast episodes every single week of your life. There are also other ways you can support us if you'd like to. You could buy some of our merchandise over at whatismusicpod.redbubble.com. You can send us a little one-off donation over on coffee.com slash whatismusic. The best way to support us, however, is to do what you're doing right now, which is listening to us. And you can rate the show, you can subscribe to the show, you can share it with your friends, all of that stuff. That about does it. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. But for now, it's the end of the episode as we know it. And I feel deflated. I feel fine about my score for now. (laughs) And I feel like Adam hurts sometimes and that and one of those times is now <laughs> lot of qualifiers for adam for adam today it's been a bad day that's yeah that's right we'll go on that one shall we? okay yeah.